listening to Season 2 of fit to be Radio, a production of fit to be Studio, which specializes in home workouts and e-courses online for those dealing with diastasis recti. Our goal this season is to connect the dots between fitness and other psychosocial dimensions of wellness. So hey, strap on your sneakers and take us for a walk while we talk, or just grab your favorite drink and get on the floor and stretch while you enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to fit to be Radio. My name is Chris Banky. I'll be your host today. I've also got with us Beth Learn. She's the CEO and founder of fit to be Studio. Beth, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. I'm really excited about our guest. Yes, and we have a guest with us, Gaynor Morgan. Uh, how are you doing? Hi both. Uh, really excited to be here and uh, really excited to share my knowledge with everybody. Well, we really appreciate you carving a little bit of time out for us today. Gaynor has traveled all over the world. She's done a lot of different things, started out as a nurse. She also is the owner of the website pelvicorganprolapse.org. There's tons of resources there. There's a, a couple other places that you can be found. We'll put all that in the show notes. But to start off, where are you coming to us from in the world? Right. Well, today I'm uh, in sunny, well, not so sunny, uh, Belgium. So um, between Brussels and Liège, right out in the country, I've got six uh, horses in front of me that are running free. Not mine, my neighbors. Wow. Uh, beautiful. It's a beautiful part of the world. Yeah, that that is that sounds really great. One of the things that's been so cool about doing this Fit to Be Radio is we have uh, people that listen from all over the world. And we have guests that are amazing from all over the world. And this great technology allows us to actually put all that together and have amazing people like you join us for this thing. So I'm excited for that. Really appreciate you taking some time for that. Let's get started. We're going to be talking about something today that I don't know anything about. So um, I don't know if that's good or bad, um, but <laughs> it's, it's uh, pessary. And uh, I think we should just start off by having you kind of explain it at a high level what it is that we're talking about and, um, and just kind of give an overview for us. Okay, so uh, basically a pessary is a medical device. It's, uh, it comes in different uh, materials, but the majority of them today are made out of silicone because it's an inert material. And uh, it's fitted into the vagina to hold up any descending organs. So uh, we'll go into that a little bit later. It's called a pelvic organ prolapse. And a pessary can also be there to stop those embarrassing leaks, such as stress incontinence when you cough, you sneeze, you're doing your star jumps, uh, you're doing your trampolines, and the pelvic floor, when it's starting to sort of descend a little bit on that bounce, then the urethra, which is the little tube that allows water, the urine, out of the body from the bladder, that that has a little sphincter that if you imagine like an elastic band that's supposed to keep everything watertight um but sometimes as we get older as we have children all sorts of different reasons that becomes a little bit like old knicker elastic i like to call it and there you get your leaks when you jump up and down so a pessary is there to give that extra support and as it supports the urethra when you jump or you cough and you 
exert ex, uh, extra abdominal pressure, then it just stops those involuntary leaks coming out. Mm. Got it. So, so is this something that you put in on a daily basis or is this something that a doctor puts in for like an extended period of time? It really depends on the individual's lifestyle. We've got um, a lot of uh, athletes, for instance. They will use a pessary, uh, different shapes, depending on their need. Um, they would use it perhaps just to go running or do their sports. We've got other people then that will use it just for the day, and they'll take it out at night. And then we've got at the end, the other end of the spectrum that will leave one in for up to three months, and then they would go back to their doctor, and then the doctor would remove it, check everything is all right, wash it, and reinsert it, and you're good to go for another three months. So it depends really on, um, yeah, lifestyle and what you really want out of the pessary. Uh, at the end of the day and what what's the purpose of it being there is it to stop the incontinence is it to hold up organs is it for both so again it, it really kind of depends on everything really to, under the assessment got it so um so i'm imagining these are different types of devices for the different types of you know a use case that you just talked about or is it always the same kind of thing no they come in all different shapes and sizes so um for instance the most common one if you if if you go to your doctor and you present with symptoms so you're symptomatic let's say you've got a little bit of stress incontinence or you feel a bulge that's the usual symptom that the uh, the uterus or the bladder has descended through the pelvic floor into the, the vaginal area and they feel like they're sitting on a ball that's what a lot of people say they experience so if they're symptomatic that way the first thing uh, that they will try the doctors would be a ring pessary um this is one one type and then they've got another one with a little membrane in the middle and again it depends on the patient herself so what they would the doctor would do they would initially fit that and 75% of women are very satisfied with rings but then you've got the other 25 that they actually Either the ring um, stops them going and having a bowel movement, and there's a reason behind that. Uh, so they'd look at a different shape or possibly a different size. Um, the runners tend to, your sports ladies out there, this is a cube. And uh, without being rude, but, you know, trying to put a square peg in a round hole, so to speak. But they do squish very, very tightly, and they suck. They, they've got a suction, so they actually suck her onto the vaginal lining and they stay in place. You can't feel mm. it, um, and that would then support the organs. Now, cubes, they must come out daily because of the suction that they create. So uh, these are really popular with um, sports athletes um, and gym mm. goers. Now, those, so I, I'm those imagining... Oh, go ahead, Beth. Those to me, um, it's all kind of a similar concept of a diaphragm or um, the cube reminded me of like a tampon. It has a little string on it. If you're not watching this on video, I would encourage you to click through the link and watch the video version, which is linked here in the show notes, um, because she is showing 
all of these pessaries. She's held up five, four, three or four, five different ones so far, um, because they're all different shapes. Um, and they're very much tailored to what individual needs are. Yeah, she's showing up more right now. Yeah, it's that's a pretty fascinating. Yeah, they're quite flexible. So, you know, and a lot of women, it's an idea. A lot of women, certainly during COVID times, you know, they can't get to see the doctor, um, mm. the surgeon. Mm -hmm. They don't want surgery. Uh, we've got a lot of women you know, the, the, the single mothers out there, they haven't got time to go into hospital after surgery, take the six weeks recovery period after that. Um, so pessaries really are a good sort of management, conservative yes. management for pelvic organ prolapse mm -hmm. and incontinence. Yes. So I, I'm imagining that there's a lot of women that probably... Uh, could benefit significantly from this, but just don't e either know about it or, um, or they feel like uh, maybe that it's not, they're not, their situation is not serious enough to, to uh, necessitate um, a pessary. Is that true? Do you, do you find like one of the biggest issues out there is lack of education? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, I was not even aware of a lot of pelvic floor things until six or seven years ago, when I began to realize the connection to the core in a very personal way and do more research for myself. It's just not something that's even taught at the college level to fitness trainers, let alone the average everyday mom out there that's had a few kids. And it's only been in the last year, I was telling Gaynor before we started, that I even knew what a pessary was. They were not even on my radar. Yeah, I think definitely we need to, to bring the education down to, the, you know, when you're doing sex education in college, mm -hmm. because a lot of women... Um, you know, they, they do, especially when you have a complication at childbirth. So, for instance, the third or fourth degree tear, um, if they've had an episiotomy. So all that, that area of the perineum becomes very weak and vulnerable and the integrity of the skin then is compromised. So what tends to happen mm -hmm. is certainly, um, and I keep sort of pushing this through to the youngsters, is that please do your core exercises. Now, you start at the age of 14, you start doing those workouts, you go to the gym and everything and, and make it a trend, make it something that is enjoyable. So as time get, you know, from the age of 14, let's say to the age of 18, maybe some of them are going through their first or second pregnancies by the age of 18. They've already then got the strength, the core strength of the pelvic floor muscles to be able to, number one, carry that the, the baby through the nine months. Um, mm -hmm. Or even, let's say in my case, uh, I had a, a preeclampsia. So my little one came out a month early. Now, they, a lot of women are under the preconception that, yes, if I have a cesarean, electric cesarean, my pelvic floor is still going to be intact. You're wrong. They still mm. have to cut through layers and layers of muscle. And yeah. you can still prolapse, even though you've had mm -hmm. a cesarean. Um, so I think 
education and also working with uh, the mothers. You know, if the mothers have had, let's say, previous prolapse issues, the grandmothers may have had it. It could be hereditary. Mm -hmm. uh, there, are, there's a condition, EDS, um, Ehlers Danlos syndrome. Yeah, Ehlers Danlos. Uh huh. So it's a hyper uh, hypermobility. So all those mm -hmm. girls out there who find it super easy to do the splits, or you can put your thumb right back to your, you know, you really need to be looking after your pelvic floors because these are the mm -hmm. women with that structure of collagen are susceptible to the pelvic floor just sort of descending uh, and the organs coming down. Right, right. So, so would you say body. this is a pretty significantly underdiagnosed um, problem and that most women that are in this, like so many of these core and pelvic issues, they just feel like they need to deal with whatever symptoms they're having is it, it that's pretty much true for this as well when you say I, th I think underdiagnosed um i think it's very difficult because it can be subjective or objective we find that 50 percent of women uh and this is, this is recorded uh, this is evidence 50 percent of women have been diagnosed with um pelvic organ prolapse however Six wow. to seven percent of them were only symptomatic. So, if you're living with uh, like a grade one um, sister seal where the bladder descends, and you're still able to go around your daily life, and it's not bothersome, you still have a prolapse, but you get on with life. Um, so, again, it really depends. These women only come forward when it becomes problematic for them. Mm hmm long after they become problematic too because sadly uh, a lot of us are taught as little girls that that's normal that you're just going to have kids and fall apart and um, there's really no help for it unless you want to have major surgery yeah i think we need to start stop normalizing things like this absolutely um and i think as well a, a lot of the medical professionals when uh, the young mothers or these mothers go and they say, you know, I'm, I'm leaking. Well, it's normal. You've had a baby. Well, no, it's not normal because you need to address mm -hmm. it. And I think the medical staff really need to start talking to their patients and saying, well, you know, even something as simple as going to the gym two or three times a week can actually correct that. Physiotherapy, mm -hmm. I know, can actually reduce the, the stages yes. of pelvic organ prolapse. So the help is there. It's just the education around it needs um, better attention. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For sure. Just because things are common doesn't mean that they're normal. Just because yeah. it's common for it to happen doesn't mean that you should accept it. So I really like, I really like the way that you're saying that. Um, so, so what I'm guessing is that there's a lot of people listening to this right now that are like, Oh, Hmm. I think they might be talking about me because some, some of that is what I deal with. Um, what, what's your advice to them? So, do they need to go see someone? Um, what's the next step for someone who, who, I mean, if you're saying over 50% of women uh, are going to have this to some degree, you know, it means that most people listening to this are dealing with that. So what steps should they take? Mm -hmm. 
I think if you've um, if you're experiencing some of the symptoms, such as we've we've talked about stress incontinence, uh, painful intercourse is one of the triggers. What I had um, and why I went to see my physiotherapist. I went to three different doctors and they told me there was nothing wrong with me. And it was my physiotherapist that actually said, well, yeah, you know, you've got a rectus seal and a rectus seal is part of the bowel that uh, uh, herniates into the vagina. And nobody had looked at my diet. My diet, I've been a yo-yo dieter for years and years. I had bulimia when I was mm. 18. Um, I, you know, constipation sort of, yeah, and then take the laxatives to counterbalance that. It's it's all wrong. And so the end result is that my body ended up saying, okay, I give up, you win, <laughs> I collapse. Um, and so I think what we need, if you are experiencing any sort of symptom that is outside the normal for you, please go and mm -hmm. see a women's health physiotherapist or um, a doctor, your GP, or, you, you know, they will guide you. In the States, it's a little bit different. In, in the UK and Europe, you, you get to mm -hmm. see a general practitioner and they then refer you on. But um, for me, my, my saving grace was a women's health physiotherapist. And she worked yeah. with me taught me how to do pelvic floor exercises properly, where the doctors may not have the time. You're in and out, you know, um, under a certain time. So I, I definitely would, if you're feeling not right, my first protocol would be a women's health physiotherapist. Mm -hmm. And here in the States, for the most part right now, you can be direct entry when it comes to somebody like that. Wow. You can ask around and you can call around clinics and say, do you have somebody? It depends on your insurance. So you may have a certain kind of insurance where you do need to go see your OBGYN is what we call them here, obstetric and gynecologist. That can be challenging because a lot of them will initially just go straight to some type of medical intervention as opposed to a medical prop like a pessary and they may not refer you so my advice is in the states you have to go in yeah. ready to ask for a referral and i know i'm actually so beth, i'm sorry beth, that, no, beth that brings me uh that brings us right to this next question i think is perfect is <clears throat> is a pessary a replacement for surgery can it be should it be like uh like how does it fit into the hierarchy of of solving these problems if you, if if you will that's that's again it depends on the individual because there are some individuals out there that just say you know what forget all this pessary malarkey just give me the knife give me the surgery i want it over and done with what the women fail to realize is that the surgery is a temporary fix because at the end of the day if they're not still working their pelvic floor core muscles then the surgery right. can end up failing right. at the end of the day i know women that have used um pessaries for years and years and are quite happy with it so on those women mm -hmm. they are a replacement for surgery um mm -hmm. what's nice about a pessary is that if it doesn't fit right or it's let's say causes some problems because at the end of the day any medical device can cause problems 
you can remove it. Whereas surgery, you can't undo surgery. Um, mm-hmm. but, right. you know, That's a good point. And I'm not knocking surgery in any means because I know that women have had a lot of success with different types of surgeries. I think if women are thinking about going for a surgery, try the pessary first because a pessary can actually give you the results that the surgery. So they use it as a diagnostic tool as well. So, for instance, in stress incontinence, they were using uh, the Inco stress and just to see, did it stop the incontinence? If the answer was yes, then the doctor knew that the likelihood of the transvaginal tape, the TVT uh, surgery for stress incontinence, the outcome would have been favorable also. So there's many ways that you can use pessaries, um, you know, as a diagnostic tool. Uh, also, you can use uh, pessaries as part of the recovery period in your surgery, because it's lifting everything up, there's no strain. Um, mm. There is one doctor in the States, uh, he's just um, invented what's called the S pessary. Now that's inserted at the time of uh, surgery to lift everything up and it heal, it aids with the healing process because as mm. you've lifted mm-hmm. up the pelvic floor, the blood is circulating around and as of course as you know with blood comes oxygen and then you're oxygenating those muscles and you can have the healing process a lot quicker so pessaries can be used right across the board depending on what you want right it's almost like a now, are there some people that, oh go ahead <laughs> <laughs> yeah i like that <laughs> I mean, it's, it's giving support. It's allowing or like a splint for your abdominal uh, wall when you're in the early phases of feeling the, a diastasis. That should be the know, title, but. <laughs> for your crotch. <laughs> I mean, but the, yeah, and supporting, putting things where they belong while facilitating movement so that healing can happen. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and Now, are there, are there some uh, people where this just won't work for them or... Um, you know, just it just doesn't work. Should they try it first? Like, what do you recommend? Well, again, with anything, there's always contradict indications. So let's say somebody has had previous surgery and she's had a lot of scar tissue there, a lot of erosion, then she wouldn't be a candidate for a pessary because where the pessary would be sat inside that could add the extra pressure and then it could start opening up old wounds and then those could get infected. Um, other people with severe atrophy, so where the, as we get mm. older, the estrogen depletes yeah. in our body and these ladies, um, their, their vaginal linings basically become like butterfly wings. So it becomes so thin that anything you put in there will start to be so abrasive that they start to bleed. Now. That can be rectified with topical uh, estrogen, but again, that would have mm-hmm. to go through your doctor and discuss it uh, properly. If you've got any um, uh, back the vaginal ba- uh, BV, which call it vaginal bacteria. Ah, I can't think of it now. What's it called? Bacterial vaginosis. Uh, okay. If you've got thrush. Uh, any uh, infections there then don't use the pessary clear up the infection first and then use the pessary after 
have you noticed that um, if people have trouble with something like a like a menstrual cup, that they tend to also have trouble with a pessary, or are those very different? Because I know for myself, um, I have some scar tissue, and I can line up right there, and so I cannot use a diva cup and things like that. It makes my cramps so much worse. And I've tried several. I've tried, and so, but I know a pessary sits higher. It's not. Doesn't it sit higher and different? I suppose you could fit it. It, it depends on which pessary, because if you've got something like the tea pessary, which, you know, is like a tampon, then that would probably aggravate you. If you've got something like this, um, which is called a hodge, and the hodges are mm -hmm. really great. Actually, this was designed originally for women with retroverted wombs. So it just points oh. the cervix back into oh, the Oh, I right can see that. Um, so this little bar here or the, the membrane that's for somebody who's got a descent of the bladder so it it holds okay. the sister seal better so yeah. in your case Beth maybe it might be worth looking at a hodge because you don't actually this pessary doesn't sit right down on the, the tube parts right. then of the vagina so um yeah it just it's a matter of trial and error interesting I'm fascinated by how many different kinds you keep holding up. Like, you know, so many things in the female health realm often look one size fits all. Like you've got tampons, you've got pads, and you've got the menstrual cups, and they all kind of look the same. But you keep holding up all these pessaries that are all different sizes and are truly yeah. tailorable. I'm not sure if that's the right word to every person and that is why you're saying it's important to go get fitted by somebody who knows and understands absolutely well here's um, here's something that i i think because of that um i just want to i just want to mention i think sometimes what happens with things like this where there's not a lot of education and we've mm -hmm. seen this with other discussions we've had from other podcasts is there's not a lot of education out there there's not a lot of knowledge and then someone will hear about it and then they'll they'll talk to their friend and their friend will say, well, I tried that and it was horrible experience. I didn't like it. Um, so as yeah. you're talking about all of these different kinds, I think it's very important for people as they're hearing this to go, Hey, I need to actually go get real education from, you know, resources like on your website and other places before I just go make a decision that that's not for me because it's kind of an unknown thing. Cause this is one of those things that a lot of people don't know about. So you owe it to yourself to really get that education. The other thing is, Beth mentioned this earlier, but if you're listening to this um, podcast platform, it might be worth it to pop over to the video on the website and actually watch this because she's showing lots of different um, different things. It's 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 actually encouraging. Um, oh no, that's a really interesting one. Go back to that. Tell us what that. Tell us what that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Where a pessary may not uh, be suitable for, for somebody, what you can try, or just to see if, let's say, um, you know, you can't afford to. Pessaries are about, I know in the States, some doctors are charging about $100 for one pessary. In the UK, they, they get, they're about £30 um, to buy. But let's say now you, you can't afford one. We've got sea sponges. So... 
I've got a lady who's got a sister seal who she's got an, um, a sensitivity to silicone and okay. uh, she, so she can't wet, use any of that material and so I said well what about a natural sea sponge and uh, I went down mm -hmm. to Greece and I spent a couple of months down in Greece with the harvesters of the sea sponges and it's fascinating and I thought right you know they're pliable and when I did my mm -hmm. research um I actually went out on the streets and talked to prostitutes and you'd be surprised how many wow. prostitutes have got um or I working ladies let's <laughs> say yeah um they yeah. they have prolapses but when I was doing mm -hmm. my research they they'd say you know they'd be using sea sponges during their working time when they were menstruating and so mm -hmm. I thought wow wonder if this would sort of work as a double double whammy so we had some ladies try out sea sponges they're super absorbent they're natural mm -hmm. but also because they're so pliable and they go in damp you wet them under the tap they actually then will take the shape of the vagina and support mm -hmm. anything that defends so you know it, if you put off with pessaries or if you think mm, you know I, I can't can't afford to see my doctor I I don't know what to do then just maybe try a sea sponge um, and see how it is but just make sure and this is really important you don't get any old sea sponge the sea sponges <laughs> for, <laughs> inside the the vagina are called silk sea sponges and that's because the pores are so close together you've got honeycomb this is actually a honeycomb one and you can see it's quite porous you know the, yeah. this is what you'd use for your makeup so the other ones are um silk type and they they're a lot stronger and if you get okay. the unbleached ones, because this is a bleached one, the chemicals have sort of, they'll deteriorate the sponge. Whereas the unbleached okay. ones, they don't look so nice, but nobody's going to see up your jacksy anyway. And they just, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, so they're a lot stronger. What color so. is your sponge? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mine. <laughs> So yeah, so that's uh, that's sort of uh, you know if if anybody out there is thinking mm, you know I'd like to try it, uh, and a lot of women they they stop going to the gym because they're leaking, they just give up yeah. all exercises. Yeah. So have a look at something as simple as you know a, a sea sponge. I wouldn't mm -hmm. recommend using a tampon because tampons have been linked with toxic shock syndrome, and right, and yet they sell a tampon like. They sell this gigantic tampon. You've seen it, I'm sure. It's by Toys here in the States, but it looks like a, um, it just opens up like this, but it opens up really wide and, and they're being marketed as an incontinence product. Yeah. Um, and I know for me, if when I got a tampon that did that, that was not comfortable pulling it out. That was not, I cannot imagine using that on a daily basis to be able to work out they are quite the, don't forget the material of these boys are completely different to normal tampons they have they they don't um 
release any little fibers and it's the little mm. fibers that get left in the vagina that starts to rot and you get the stephalococcus then then that's when it goes all into the system and starts to shut down organs ah. which is toxic shock syndrome so not to confuse the poise products with normal tampons because poise are actually made specifically for stress incontinence so it, it they do work um, that's good to know so yeah i just assumed it was the same material no no it's completely different yeah, you learn something every day sometimes 10 things but you know the the, the poise for incontinence not the poise pads that you use right the actual things that you insert like you say they just open okay. up they look like a little thing okay. a triangle in a tea bag so you feel like those are comparable to a a pessary if somebody was saying, well I'll just use a poise product would you say okay or would you say well it would be best to fit you for a pessary again it depends on the the lifestyle when when we're looking at women we need to look at what their lifestyles are what their acceptance is as well um mm -hmm. and maybe yeah. one of those things could be that they they would try the poise and then move on to the pessary because you know the the pessaries will last a lot longer and over time they are a much cheaper solution than the disposable products and uh, i'm right. also a little bit of a tree hugger i i do care about the planet and these things like tampons they just fill up landfills and right. silicone is a natural product anyway so you know you it's i mean this will last you i've seen i know mm -hmm. people have had the same one for 10 years Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they're totally washable and reusable. Yeah. And so are sea sponges, too, to my yeah. understanding. Uh, but with a sea sponge, I'd, I'd use it for a week and then throw it away. I wouldn't keep on using it more okay. than a week. Okay. So so on the practical side, what are what are some of the complications that, that people might see? Because I know that, you know, <clears throat> if they're listening to this and hearing about this for the first time, which I, I really believe a lot of people will have never heard of this before hearing this podcast, mm -hmm. they're going to be wondering, okay, so what goes wrong? What, what are the common things that go wrong or what can they expect to be prepared uh, from a complication standpoint? Mm -hmm. There's not, not much that can go wrong with a pessary, to be honest. Um, but because the risk factor is so low, one of the things that you might be aware of, and I hear it um, not often, but it does come back and, People say, you know, I with bacterial vaginosis, I I was fine before having the pessary, and now the pessary has caused the bacterial vaginosis. In fact, you can have bacterial vaginosis and not even know about it. It'll be dormant until you put a pessary in, and it starts then to jiggle around uh, hormones, um, flora, the natural flora, the BH mm. balance in the vagina. So that can be one of the triggers. So on the downside, um, if you are prone to that, then probably your pessary might trigger that off. Um, lubricants can also trigger it off. So um, when you're using a pessary, always use a water-based lubricant and not an oil-based. Use an oil-based lubricant for intercourse mm -hmm. and a water base for your pessary and you won't go far wrong. That's good advice. <laughs> I love it when people boil it down like that. Like when an expert just like puts it in plain English in a simple sentence. Water-based for 
your devices, oil-based for your intercourse. Okay. Loud and clear. <laughs> Makes sense. So oh, uh, the things we talk about. Yes. We like basic <laughs> we like simple basic formulas. They're just so much better. Um, mm -hmm. okay, so all right, so I, I know I really do believe that most people I just, just said this, but I'm gonna say it again, um, that are listening to this maybe have never heard of this before. So they're listening to this podcast, however they found it, they're not sure, and now they listen to it and they're like, Man, I think I should look into this. What is your advice to that person that is is thinking, man, I have some of those symptoms. Um, I've been dealing with it. What is their next step? Is their next step to just go do research online? Is their next step to go straight to the physio? Like, what do you recommend that they do if they're if they're feeling like this might be something they should look into? I think everybody uh, should do their own research anyway for their own peace of mind. But remember, you know, it, it's like. Mario isn't a real gynecologist, so don't leave him anywhere near your vagina. And Dr. Google isn't really a doctor, so don't let him near your body. Um, so the research part <laughs> is there. Just make sure that if when you are doing research, go to a reputable website, go to clinical-based mm -hmm. evidence. There's lots of it mm -hmm. out there, so start looking at that. Um, I'm always available to answer any questions anybody has yeah, got. Yeah. And then what I tend to do is with my ladies is they come to me and they say, right, I've got this, this and this symptom. I will email them and I always insist total transparency. So whatever I email uh, a client, a patient or a, a lady, she, I always say to her, take this email to your doctor or your physiotherapist. That's number one, because what I do is then say, based on what you've told me, I believe that these pessaries should be discussed with your medical provider. Don't oh, ever go good. out and buy one off, off the top of your head thinking you're going to be OK, because, first of all, the fit might not be right for you. Um, you don't know what's going on. You could have some little ulcerations at the top of the vagina that you may not know about. And a pessary could make that worse. So, again, you need to be properly examined first before even mm -hmm. fitting a pessary. Um, and yeah. with all that information then, then it becomes uh, a discussion to have between you and your medical provider and nobody else and between both of you you know mm -hmm. you might then decide well I don't want to I don't fancy that shape and also if you're sexually active you may not want let's say a pessary like this which is called a gelhorn um, because you just can't do anything with it right <laughs> the other thing is well, a good moment to have the video on right now <laughs> so yeah that won't work so, you know, there are pessaries that you can still have intercourse with and have them inside. Um, and then there are others that you can't. What I would, when I do my training for the physiotherapists, the first thing I always say to them is that when you're taking a history, I don't care, Mrs. Jones is 85 years old. Don't ever leave out the question, are you sexually active? Because she might be having it away with Mr. Evans two doors down and have a very perfectly healthy, pet, you know, sex life. 
so at the end of the day all it, it's absolute paramount that all the questions are covered because it pessaries them right. with their lifestyle mm -hmm. i'll shut up now. i love I love that we oh, don't shut up. Don't ever shut up. Um, we, so for those of you listening, I don't know if you caught that, but we are talking to somebody who trained physiotherapists and physical therapists on the use of pessaries. So Gaynor is really seen as an expert in this field. Um, she, I think, has showed us like 25 different pessaries, and maybe not that many, but a lot in the course of this video. And they are all very, very different. And there is one for you that will work um, if you need one and if your body doesn't want to reject it. So why are we talking about this? We're talking about this because, like she mentioned, and it was, again, this little tiny sentence, but it's a crucial sentence, that women who pee themselves tend to not exercise. Um, they find it embarrassing and it is a major barrier to fitness. Women who feel like their bits are falling out tend to avoid exercise. It's a major barrier and pessaries can really help. And I like things that help you get back to fitness because I like fitness. Me too. <laughs> well, and not only that, but these things are, are, it's a cycle downwards, right? So if, I'm not going to work out because I'm afraid that I'm going to uh, have an incontinence issue or something. Then that long term makes the problem worse, makes the problem yeah. worse. Since the problem's worse, it's even less likely. So I guess, like so many things, what I hear you really saying is the number one step, the most important thing is to first realize that you're worth the work to learn and mm. do some discovery. And second, mm. you've got to go get some real education. Don't just trust your friend that has some experience and do some real research on some websites. Like, like your website has got a ton of great resources. So, and we'll put that in the show notes as well. Um, but find some, but also don't just trust Dr. Google either, because we all have had this experience where, you know, we got the sniffles or something and we type this thing in there and they're like, uh, you know, symptoms for, you know, this horrible, terrible, your skin melts off disease. And, and you just got to be careful going down the Google path, right? Mm -hmm. However, there's lots of good information <laughs> out there. So what I really hear you saying, you owe it to yourself, get some good education. Don't just trust one source. Make sure what you're looking at is a trusted source, like not some, just some blogger. Um, and I'm not saying that there are bloggers with great info. I think everyone understands that I mean. It's important to get good information and carry this through and, and go talk to your doctor about mm -hmm. um, some solutions. That's really what I, mm -hmm. I hear. And, and since we know this is the type of thing that there's very little education out there, then uh, there's a good chance that if you're listening to this and, it's, and any of the symptoms are resonating with you at all, then we're talking to you. Yeah. And that means you need to maybe mm -hmm. go do some stuff. I don't know, Beth, uh, Gaynor, do you have anything to add to that? I mean, I think people need to take it seriously. Definitely. Don't don't shy away from it. And if you've got the problem um, and you've got daughters yourself, please don't hide it from mm. your daughter because it could end up that your daughters will be in the same situation. And, you know, you don't want your daughters suffering like you did if you have suffered. Um, if there are mm. doctors out there, you'd be surprised how many doctors are absolutely clueless of what pessaries are available um a lot of mm -hmm. patients are coming back well people are coming back to me saying 
my doctor's never heard of this pessary, you know, where can he get it from? Uh, I think everybody needs to pull together um, and sort of work on it. Uh, certainly the medical side need to stop brushing women off as if it's a normal thing because it isn't. Um, you know, tell your patients as well that surgery isn't the only option. It's important that women have options as well. A lot of women that I speak to on the Facebook group, uh, they they say to me, well, my doctor's not willing even to fit a pessary. He, he's told me, and this has been quite a few times, he's told me pessaries are for old women. Well, we've got 18-year-olds who are using pessaries very successfully. So it isn't just an old lady's product. It is a product for the vagina, the end of. Yep. So if that's, your doctor is saying so that, maybe maybe get another doctor to maybe talk to another doctor because that seems like a pretty dismissive yeah. dismissive thing. And and you know sometimes they just don't have the knowledge. The human body is very complex. Doctors can't have all the knowledge, but this is definitely an area. It sounds like where there's a lack of education where there shouldn't be. Um, mm -hmm. So you know people need to definitely uh, pay attention to that for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, you know, great well, things like what you guys are doing, yeah, you're reaching out to thousands of women in one hit. So that's kudos to you for doing that because you're, you're making my job easier. <laughs> so it's fantastic. Yes. yes, our our goal, my heart, is to equip women with the education that they need um, to be able to exercise and empower themselves to be stronger as they get older, not weaker. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I'm just really grateful to have you on our show. And Chris has one more question for you. No, I have two more. I have two more. Uh, two. two more questions. Two more quick questions. So the first one is um, we ask everyone this, and that is what is your favorite exercise right now today? Favorite? Well, uh, my, my favorite exercise is – and. I'm a Pilates, so it's pelvic floor Pilates, the lunges or the butterfly, I don't know. Yeah, I'm feeling a bit lazy. So I guess the butterfly where you do the pulses with the ball in between your legs, um, mm -hmm. that's probably my the easiest one for me. So on a lazy day there or otherwise my lunges. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, that's good. so good. Yeah. Um, okay, last question. Last question is uh, maybe the most important, actually, because, um, you know, one of the things we've been talking about on this episode is how important it is to get educated. Where is the best place that people can find you? Well, of course, we'll put all this in the show notes, but if they're listening and driving, they can make a mental note. Where can people go to find more information from you about these topics? Okay, so it's the website pelvicorganprolapse.org. Um, I've got a closed Facebook group, which is called Pessaries and Pelvic Organ Prolapse, uh, and it's all female, and we've got a load of good physiotherapists on there, very proactive. Um, so, yeah. Oh, great. And, and I'm responsive on email as well. So, yeah. That is awesome. Okay, well, we'll put that stuff in the show notes and on the Facebook group. They would just search for it and then ask to join, right? And then you'd let them in kind of thing? Yeah. 
Yeah, okay, there's, there's a couple of questions they'd have to ask, and I do look at their profiles. So if they've got anything undesirable, let's say, on their profiles, they don't get in. They really have to be genuine women who want my help or the help of the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're very picky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, super important. Yeah, well, because this is a delicate issue. This yeah. is a very delicate issue, yeah. and privacy is very important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I appreciate yeah. that you do that. Um, I, I, yeah, I really, I really, it's important with a community like that on a public forum like Facebook to close it and keep good control of it. So it's, it's so cool mm-hmm. that you've done that, the which makes the resource even that much more valuable. So, uh, yeah, I'd really mm-hmm. encourage everyone that's listening to this to dig into these resources. You owe it to yourself, even if you're not quite sure. Um, definitely go to yourself to kind of do some research. And like you said, I really love this, you know, what you said about daughters. Uh, it's so important um, to be educating daughters. We built a whole course on how on for educating da- daughters yeah, on our website because um, girls don't get the education <laughs> that they need. So that was really encouraging. Thank you so much for spending time with us today, um, coming from around the world. Um, really appreciate that. It's been awesome. You have just an incredible amount of information. So if you're listening to this, definitely pop over there in the show notes and go to the website and do some reading. Uh, if you've just found this, you definitely want to subscribe and, um, you know, and, and share it with others, you know, share it with your friends. So Gaynor, mm-hmm. thank you so much for joining us today. Beth, as always, it's been awesome. Really appreciate it. And um, we will, we'll talk to you guys later. Thank you. Thank you, Gaynor. Bye. All right, that's a wrap, friends and fans. Be sure to check out the links attached to this episode and subscribe to Fit to Be Radio on iTunes. Oh, and remember those workouts we mentioned in the show? You can access them all on fittobe.com if you join as a member. I recommend premium access. It's the best deal. We'd also appreciate your follows, likes, comments, and shares on Instagram at Fit to Be Studio, on Facebook at Fit to Be Tummy Safe Fitness, and on Twitter at Fit to Be. Mm-hmm.